Today on Inside the FLX, we're discussing leadership and how one person has made it her mission to change the way people view it. I'm Josh Derso, and this is Inside the FLX. Last week, we were fortunate enough to catch up with Kristen Fragnoli for a second time this year. In September, she was on the program discussing a community forum she held in the Rochester area for women in the Finger Lakes. The goal, simple, to engage women from across the region and create dynamic leadership experiences and exercises that empowered, inspired, and connected. Nearly 200 were in attendance that day, and it was such a success that Fragnolia is already in the process of organizing the second iteration, which will happen sometime in 2020. In our conversation, we didn't just focus on the event, though. We went in depth on some of the takeaways from it and learned more about her personal journey. It's a conversation you don't want to miss, and one we pick up with her discussing the event she described as a transformative experience for everyone, including herself. One quick note before we get to that conversation, though, a couple links to check out after the program. Visit www.flxwomen.com to learn more about Kristen's organizational effort to embrace diverse leadership and www.questpotentialcoaching.com to learn more about what Kristen does herself. All right, now my chat with Kristen Fragnoli. This episode is brought to you by DeSanto Propane. They've been serving the clean energy needs of upstate New York homeowners, businesses, and home builders since 1937. With a reputation of reliability and dependability, DeSanto Propane is ready to serve you. Call 1-800-752-4574 or visit desantopropane.com to learn more. And by the Fox family of dealerships located on Route 5 in Auburn. It's all there and all together at the Fox family of dealerships. Visit foxdealerships.com to learn more. All right. So first uh, first question I want to start with is for the people who might not remember our last conversation, um, walk us through what FLX Women is as an organization and then also uh, the event that you uh, hosted yes. in early November, about a week before elections, right? Correct. First yes, week. it was on November 1st. Uh, so FLX Women is a what I'm calling a community forum through which um, women and men, everyone, can connect to talk about leadership, to talk about their own experiences in growing their own leadership and bringing their own voice and their own ideas and their own activism to the world and to their workplaces, to their communities. Um, And it really is just a place, in, in a sense, a virtual community where people can connect and then I've also been uh, just started in November 1st launched our first experience which was the Women Rising Conference which was a fabulous success. I, I have to ask more there what was it like I mean we were talking a little bit before we came on here how things really came together well yes. sort of the way you envisioned it what was it like not only experiencing it in general but then Afterwards, being able to reflect and look back and say, wow, this this went almost exactly the way I, the way yes. I imagined it. Yeah, well, it's really it was really wonderful. The day itself was a wonderful experience. And looking at it afterwards is really just a confirmation of 
the reason I launched the conference, and that was because it confirmed to me that people are hungry for these kinds of conversations mm -hmm. and that there aren't necessarily a lot of natural kind of organic ways to talk about things on that level. So creating an experience that brings people together and that basically gave permission to say, we're gonna, we're gonna dive deeper today. So let's all just agree that we're gonna do that and get right to it instead of staying up on a superficial level and, and talking about things that might not feel as meaningful. And, and we did that. We did that. I mean, my opening remarks for the day really invited people to just get to the real stuff. Let's talk about what is authentically in our hearts and on our minds, and, and let's not worry about you know how we're going to appear to others, and if we're saying the right thing or the wrong thing, if it's, a, if it's something we want to talk about, let's, let's get to it. And people took me up on that. And um, since I've even heard people saying, you know, some people really making big changes. I know of one person who said, I'm, I'm, you know, leaving my job and doing a job search because I really know that this is what I need to do and I've been afraid to do it, so I'm now doing it. Uh, I've heard other people saying, I'm, I'm thinking differently, I'm making decisions differently. So the outcome of really getting people to to think anew about how they want to live their lives and how they want to lead really seems to have uh, come to fruition, which is really exciting. What were some of the, when you set out um, and were organizing this and sort of establishing what some of the, the uh, points were that you wanted to sort of expound on and expand on with, mm -hmm. through speakers and dialogue, um, right. what were some of the things that you set out to achieve or to you know, uh, what were some of those conversations that you wanted to have through yeah. that event? Yeah, there's, I would say that there's probably, um, there's three main themes that I feel like I've been coming back to and that are the topics that people really get excited to talk about. Um, one is my idea of, of redefining leadership and starting to think about leadership in a new way, um, in a way that is really more about a holistic approach to how we live our lives and how we bring our really authentic personalities and gifts to leadership, which may or may not always look like what we think of as traditional leadership skills. So redefining what leadership can be for, our, for ourselves is, is definitely one piece of it. Um, another is how do we build more resilience in really what is a very chaotic and challenging social system that we live in, uh, both in our workplaces and more broadly. Um, the world is very chaotic. It's, it's exhausting sometimes. And how do we build up our own resilience and the resilience of, of our organizations so that we can uh, live in a more connected way, lead in a more connected way, and not just feel completely beaten up and exhausted by it all. Mm -hmm. So building resilience through connection. And I talk about that in two ways. Connection kind of to yourself, really digging deep and figuring out what drives me, what's most important, what can I bring to the world, and then connecting to other people on a really just human level and that can be scary to do and I don't think that we typically do that 
in our passing interactions with people. Mm -hmm. But when we can learn to do that, it's transformational. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what we saw on that day, is we all gave each other permission to just go to that next level with each other, mm -hmm. even with strangers, people that we hadn't interacted with before. And it was powerful. And, yeah. and one of the housekeeping items that we did touch on in the, the last time you were here, uh, previewing the event, but how was it sort of organized and set up um, that day, how were folks interacting with each other? Were, were they sort of in smaller groups or was it sort of like station to station thing or how was that happening? There were combinations of mm -hmm. things. There were a number of different. So we had um, six what I would call main stage speakers who were in the a, a ballroom kind of setting and speaking mm -hmm. to all. Um, there were probably about 180 people there. Uh, mostly women, but not exclusively women. And so in that main room was a little bit more traditional kind of keynote style speeches, although some of those were interactive in nature. Right. And then um, similar to a conference, what you'd think of as a regular conference setup, there were breakout sessions. So people would go into sessions that were in smaller groups, anywhere from 10 to 40. Uh, to hear from more workshop style presentations, interactive um, topics that people could engage in. And then we had um, what was really interesting, we had an interactive art project that ran throughout the day that asked people to engage in yet another way. We had an artist in residence who showed a piece of her work and then we created kind of a um, it was based on her work. We created another piece of work together by all, um, we can go into that in more detail if you want to hear it, but where everyone completed little pieces of paper with something about themselves, whether it be a power word or an intention or something that they were working on or trying to embrace. And they created those both for themselves to bring home as kind of an inspirational piece, but then we also created them as a community. And by the end, we strung them all together and created a piece of artwork that mirrored the artwork that the artist had brought. And so it had this kind of connection to self, but also it was we were intentionally bringing it and connecting it together to each other. And it, it has created this really beautiful piece that I actually have hanging in my, oh, that's awesome. I have ha hanging in my home <laughs> thinking about how can I bring this out to the world and use it uh, to show people what we did. So that was yet another, you know, way of interaction. So it had elements of a very traditional conference. Mm -hmm. And then it had elements that were just a little bit out of the ordinary that I think helped people understand that they could, that they were in a different kind of space that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's talk some of the lessons learned or, or some of the experiences uh, observed through the sure. day. Um, first, uh, presenters, what do you think was the, the most powerful takeaway for those who were, were in attendance and, and sort of soaked it all in, mm -hmm. what, what do you think the one sort of common thread was that the folks walked away with uh, from it? The, the power of connecting to your authentic self. And while that can sometimes sound kind of like a buzzword, it really was about thinking deeply about who I am, who I want to be, how I want to live in the world, 
and and understanding the ways that I stop myself from being kind of truly myself because I'm trying to conform to a certain social setting or work setting. I'm trying to live up to the way someone else is telling me that I should lead or I'm trying to fulfill an agenda that's set by someone else and not by me and my heart really isn't in it. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, the power of when we can really both figure out what that is for us and then really have the courage to say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that to the world instead of what everybody over here is telling me, mm -hmm. that, it's, that it's just really powerful. And then all of a sudden we feel ready to kind of take on so much more. Now I want to flip it on to you. Okay. <laughs> organizationally. Sure. Um, obviously, big success. It came together the way you envisioned it. It did. Um, but was there a takeaway or two that you thought of afterward or that you had afterward um, where you kind of got into the mode of thinking, all right, I eventually want to do this again. Mm -hmm. So this is something that maybe I'll do differently or this really worked much better than I thought it might. Uh, mm -hmm. What were a couple of the takeaways that you had personally as the person behind this? Yeah, that's a good question. I there's, I think that the one piece that I feel like I would do differently, and there's very little that I feel like really needed to change, which is feels like quite a quite a success. Um, but I think the one thing that I would do differently is have actually have fewer speakers, because by the end of the day they were all wonderful. But by the end of the day, we were all just so saturated that it was hard to continue to take in new information. Mm -hmm. So I think what we'll do next year, and there will be a next year, um, we is we'll that. have fewer speakers with longer periods of time to process the information so that um, we can dig even deeper into those topics. Um, so that I think would be the main the main change that I would make um, in terms of thinking about how this would impact going forward. Like I said before, it really was just a confirmation that these are things that people want to talk about, and um, that it was a really valuable experience. And I'm even really using the word experience versus event. Right. Um, purposefully because it really was something that people fully engaged in it wasn't you know talking heads going past and everybody's still kind of at the tables on their phone we've all been to conferences like that um, and it wasn't that at all and we didn't even need to remind people to turn off or put away their phones I mean people were just there and present and that was amazing is that one of the, when I think of an event like that, or, or as you say, an experience like that, um, it, it seems like the biggest challenge would be trying to strike that balance between presenters, speakers, keynote type versus discussion, mm -hmm. group dialogue, because it, it's interesting, while it, it feels like it might be kind of a little bit of a risk because you don't know you know, if you rely too heavily on just dialogue, it could, it, the, the experience itself could, could suffer a little bit. Right. But if it's successful and it is heavier on that side, yeah. it seems like it would be even more powerful at the same time, right? Yes, yes. And I think, I think there that I'm really, I've been really served well by my background in teaching. 
and in all of the years that I really did have to, on a regular basis, kind of curate experiences for students where they were coming in and they were both getting content that they needed to learn and then figuring out how does that apply to my life or that you know my business if, if that's what I'm talking about um, so so I guess I, I I maybe do that a little bit more naturally than I even realize now that you've pointed it out uh, and I think a big piece is that the dialogue and the opportunities for conversation are are guided in a way that help people know kind of what to talk about or how to talk about that so that it's not just open dialogue that could go necessarily anywhere it's in particular response to a topic um, and that I think helps keep the conversations focused and brings more of those insights from people. Your proudest moment either while the uh, while the day was happening or in the weeks that followed um, that, that really drove it home that it, it worked and it was a success? The number of people who have contacted me in person, in writing, in email, by telephone, who have made the effort to contact me personally and thank me and tell me how transformational the day was. And you teased dozens, it a right? Yeah. And you teased it a little bit a few minutes ago. There is going to be a next year. There will be. What there can you? Be. What can, I would? It's early, so I'm not going to ask you too many <laughs> tough questions about right. that. But um, what can you tell us uh, about this next iteration mm -hmm. of of the day? Um, what I can tell you is that it will also be created in a way to be very experiential very uh, focused on some of the topics that are particularly important to women leaders, but again, open to all. And really, I think the recurring theme is helping people find ways to connect to the things that are inside them that they just know that they're trying to figure out a way to let out and connecting to other people. Um, in terms of what our themes will be and exactly who those speakers will be, no, we haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but but it absolutely will be experiential. It absolutely will be a room of diverse people to be able to really um, hear many many perspectives, and it will challenge the participants to dig deep. And I can almost promise that you'll be happy that, that you did. Um, a little while ago, you mentioned uh, redefining leadership as being one of the big, one of the big takeaways um, yeah. from the day. In that, in that light, what are a couple of the big qualities, leadership qualities, mm -hmm. that tend to get overlooked as being great leadership qualities, mm -hmm. but maybe they don't get... Uh, the attention or the notoriety that they deserve right uh, just given the the typical structure of what leadership looks like or what society expects leadership to look like yeah I'm happy that you asked that question because that's a topic that I've actually been talking a lot about and starting to write about and a lot of it is really so if you look at kind of the canon of leadership 
books and and lessons it's often very much about kind of this singular individual with these incredible traits who just rises above and inspires everyone and while there are those leaders out there and that's not a bad thing uh, i think there's much less talk about leadership through empathy and compassion and bringing people together as a collective and working as with shared power versus I'm I'm kind of the you know the idealized leadership on a little bit of a pedestal um, so I think that shift is really important a more collective kind of approach uh, I think the ability to um, acknowledge kind of the emotional and the personal parts of leadership right the old I think the old thinking about you know when you go to work or when you become a leader you leave your you have to leave your personal stuff at the door um, and a couple of things about that one we know that you never really can do that I was gonna say it doesn't happen nearly so it's as a often it's kind of a false expectation uh, but who we are in our lives impacts how we lead and how we lead and work trickles over into our real lives and there really doesn't need to be a distinction between those two if we lead from who we really are then those two pieces of our lives shouldn't feel really different mm -hmm. right they should be very integrated and connected um, so so I think that idea of embracing kind of a more humane and humanistic way of thinking about leadership is is really important um, so those are those are a couple of the ideas that are really about that and and also just um, the idea that that leaders are always in charge leaders aren't necessarily always in charge I mean wonderful leaders are leaders who can who can bring people together who can help them tap all of the gifts and talents that they bring to the table and sometimes not even have people realize that it was the leader who made that happen mm -hmm. right who at the end of the day they're just like look what we did yeah. not look what our leader did for us so it's a much more integrated way of connecting with people I think um, there was a phrase earlier uh, that you used that I, I would like to talk a little more about um, resiliency through chaos yeah. I think that's super timely and mm -hmm. super interesting at the same time. Um, it is. A little more of an explanation. What, what, when someone hears that, what, what are some of the things that they should be thinking about and, and sort of be keeping in mind so that they are able to be intentional and to make good choices and to uh, be a good leader for the people around them? Yes. So, so building our own resilience is something that really takes effort I believe and takes an intentional some intentional work on our part um, I actually will in the new year will be launching a, a course called the resilient leader and I talk about seven different areas of building resilience um, and the reason we need them and I think the reason it resonates with you that it's it's timely is because the world can feel so chaotic um, and there's a term that that people use that's been used in business that we live in a VUCA world. Have you ever heard of that? V-U-C-A. 
So volatile, um, ambiguous, or volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So obviously that's that chaos. Right. Um, And so building resilience, learning how to, you know, kind of maintain a sense of balance and um, ability to to move through that as an individual takes some real effort. And then that's what we can bring to our organizations to try to make our organizations more resilient. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll run through my seven, and you, if there's any that you want to talk about more, we can. Um, so the first is just kind of deep connection to self. So that's that idea of authentically who am I and how do I want to live my life. Connection to our bodies. Connection to something that I just call broadly the greater than, so meaning and purpose. Community. Curiosity and play which then is linked to the next one, which is learning and growth. And then the last is uh, courage and action. Mm -hmm. So how can we talk about and understand places where we can actually put practices into place in our own lives or in our organizations that help to develop in those seven areas that then all of a sudden that's what produces that sense of balance and, and, agency and authenticity that we all kind of seem to be talking about and searching for but not sure how to get. So my assertion is that if you can work on those seven areas in particular ways, you can get that balance and authenticity and agency. So as you're as you're mentioning those and talking mm-hmm. about them, the, the first thing that popped into my mind was um, there is a, a level of personal organization that is, I, I would assume, definitely necessary to be able to start diving into those things mm-hmm. in, terms, in terms of looking at yourself and doing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that has to also be wrapped into the, the message? Obviously, some people are just naturally more organized than others, um, but yeah. I know a number of people who just, that is great in in many different respects but if there's one struggle that they have it's the personal organization and how does a person sort of get through that process of becoming getting everything together so that they can look at everything in front of them and start to to be a little more in touch with themselves and to make better intentional choices yeah so it's interesting that you mention organization because there are many people who are very organized and many who are not but i would say that that's not necessarily a quality that you have to have in order to tackle these things um, I think the first the first shift would be really in a kind of a mindset shift, which is less about kind of I need to organize and do these tasks in order to be resilient or in order to improve in these areas. And a lot of it is how do I start thinking differently, observing both myself and kind of my interaction with the world so that I can learn about what works for me and doesn't work for me. Because there will be some people that true authentic self is never going to be the organized, you know, kind of in a box personality and maybe doesn't ever have to be. 
if there's ways that we can we can learn about ourselves and recognize if that's not how I interact with the world, how do I interact with the world? Where am I really um, feeling like I'm on my game and successful? And that might be in different creative, less structured ways. But if I can learn what that looks like and capitalize on that, then I may not have to be a list maker or a scheduler in the way that other people are. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the power of it, is that I don't have to fit into that box that someone else says, in order for me to be this or that, I must do it in this way. Because then you're always going to feel like you're failing, that you're fall, you know, you're falling short. Mm -hmm. So even like in my one-on-one -on -one coaching with people, that's a lot of what we talk about is what, who are you and how do you bring your strengths to the world? And that might never be through having the perfect list of tasks that are scheduled throughout the week. And so how do we figure out how to embrace that and use the creative power perhaps or the other parts of what you bring to still bring your gifts to the world? And that's that idea of authenticity is it doesn't have to look just one way. If we understand what's working and not working for us, then we can make adjustments and we can learn to grow and change, but we also don't have to, we don't have to feel bad about the way we naturally live in the world. So when you're talking about growth and change and sort of the, the personal choices that we make along the way to create this authentic self, mm -hmm. when you look back at your own personal journey, mm -hmm. um, is there like a particular moment that you can recall mm. where it, it clicked or that you you grasped it in a way that you hadn't before? Or was this something that was just sort of slowly acquired and by the time by the time you realized that it was there, you were already knee deep in various projects trying to put it into action? Right. That's uh, I, I don't know that I can I can designate a particular moment, but I can think of a few kind of key experiences that I had that it's easy to look back on and say, oh, that was when yeah. I made this shift. Uh, I've always been, even since being a very little girl, I was always um, a kind of independent, kind of brave, adventurous kind of individual. And so I've, I've kind of lived that in different ways, I think, throughout all of my life. Not to say that I've not been afraid of things or always, you know, been all in on everything. But generally, my personality has always been very autonomous and independent and courageous. So that I've been, you know, I feel like that has been a blessing to me because there's many things that I, that I took on or did that maybe other people would have been hesitant to do. I also ha was very blessed, and this I can look back on and understand now, I was really blessed through most of my working life to work for and with people that embraced that part of me and that allowed me to really work in a way that was very autonomous and very self-directed and very much trusting of me to say, that's a great idea. Run with it. Go do it. 
you know, and, and, you know, at different stages of my career with different levels of an engagement from a supervisor, but always had those experiences where I was allowed to pursue the things that were interesting to me, which was a blessing. Uh, I think it was when I finally reached a, a place in my career and in my life where I started to feel like that was being limited. My kind of autonomy and agency was being held back. And that was when I said, wait a minute, this doesn't, this isn't, this doesn't feel good to me. And that was actually when I made the leap to work independently because I recognized that that autonomy and that sense of self agency was just central to everything that I wanted to do. And that's not selfish self, it's self in connection with other people. I'm a very collaborative and have always loved, you know, having a group of colleagues to work with. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so when I when it finally went away was when I recognized how important that value was for me and realized how I had been so blessed to have that all of my career. So that's one big piece. Um, and I think the other theme for me is that a lot of my working life, I worked in settings that were very diverse and where I was often um, in a group of people who were mostly from other cultures, other backgrounds, um, other experiences. And so I think I learned very early in my professional life just to kind of think in a way that that had much broader perspectives in mind and again I may not have realized over at the time that I was building that skill but being able to look back and recognize that you know I was I was very rarely in work settings where there was kind of a singular way of looking at things and so there was always that idea that we need to hear from all these different perspectives before we really know what's right or how to go forward with something. So that was kind of baked in through the course of my career, which not everybody gets that experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that really impacts also my ability to, um, to coach people because Often that's what a lot of people need is just a reminder and, and some nudges about how to look at things from different perspectives to get new insight or new answers to whatever their challenge is. You mentioned uh, eroding autonomy, which mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. Yeah. Is, it sounds like it, wasn't, it was something that you kind of saw as it was happening. Yes. But oh, I would yes. imagine that there are probably a number of scenarios where a person wouldn't mm -hmm. necessarily see it, feel it. Um, are, there, are there warning signs? Are there things that, that a person, red flags along the way that sort of allow a person to see the writing on the wall, so to speak, yeah. when they're in that situation? Yeah, I think that that is, a lot of that is related to that first kind of category that I talked about when I talk about building resilience. First and second categories, connecting to yourself and connecting to your body. Um, so one of, one of the ways that if we can tune into it, 
I think we can get lots of warning signs or red flags just from our own reactions to things. So when we learn to start to pay attention to how we're reacting, how we're feeling, what our emotional states are, but then also just physical signs, you know, people get a pit in the stomach or they get their racing heart or um, they're exhausted all the time. There's different kinds of physical things for different people. But, but I think if we tune into those kinds of things, that's often kind of our intuition and our own internal GPS saying something's happening here and we should figure out what it is because if you're if you're going into work with a pit in your stomach every morning or coming home with you know um, certain experiences then really thinking about what that is saying to you and what it is that's kind of sending you into that that kind of disconnected sense and it could be different things for some people it might be that sense of autonomy that was that happened to be my particular personal value that was compromised um, it might be other things for other people but learning to really listen to ourselves because we're not necessarily trained to do that especially listening to our bodies we're not really well trained to do that in this general Western culture um, so those are, I think, red flags. The other huge red flag is if you find yourself, when people find themselves kind of withdrawing or starting to be more isolated, that is just a huge flashing sign um, that I would encourage people to, to pay attention to because that really means you're going into kind of self-protective mode and if you're going into self-protected mode that means that somewhere you're sensing kind of danger or a lack of kind of safety and connection so e sometimes that's even something as simple as someone who you know in their workplace stops kind of walking around the halls and chatting with people and just says i'm just going to stay here and do my work and get things done and get out of here and i'm just you know kind of disconnecting myself from other people there's something going on there and it could come from all sorts of different reasons but that would be a huge sign i would say so the last time you were here the number one word that popped up afterwards on social and then also in some of the email feedback we got was um equity ah yes and Mm -hmm. So right now, I, I, as my last, my last question for you, my last task, I, I, can you connect? Because you, I don't think you've said the word yet. We've been talking for almost 40 minutes. I don't right? think you've said the word yet. No, I haven't. Connect it back to sort of not only what happened during, during the day in early November at the conference, but mm -hmm. uh, as it fits into sort of the broader message of what you guys are working on. Thank you for making sure that that came up because it is something that's really important to me. I think that that concept of equity is embedded in that idea of redefining leadership because what it means is that leadership can take many forms. And I believe one of the reasons that we often don't have equity in our institutions, in our businesses, social institutions, is because there's a particular lens that we work from and it's typically a you know kind of male oriented traditional what you would call patriarchal viewpoint that doesn't 
always incorporate the views and the perspectives of other kinds of groups of people, other ways of thinking. So the first step towards equity is understanding that we need to broaden that lens and we need to be more inclusive of how we're thinking about things and and uncover some of the, you know, the voices and the ideas that haven't been at the table. Uh, I certainly don't have a definitive answer about how to achieve equity. And part of the reason that I won't ever be able to come up with what that answer is because I come from a place of privilege and, and um, resources where my experience hasn't necessarily been one of experiencing inequity. Maybe I have to some extent as a woman um, with some gender issues. So I have some entree into that. But um, I think if we want to really figure out how to create a more equitable workplace, community, world, the people who haven't been treated equitably are the ones who need to tell us what they need. We don't need to come and say, here's what we'll do for you or something, you know, really kind of still centered around the people who already have the power and influence. So, so it's part of that redefinition. And then I think it's also part of that deep connection because it's saying we want people to show up in the world as they are, not as we expect them to be, not conforming to any sort of norms or um, you know, kind of in-group expectations, but if we can figure out how to let people show up authentically, then then we're going we're going to, I think, naturally move to a more equitable place, and when we can think more collectively, which leadership, I think, is moving towards, but hasn't necessarily traditionally always thought in terms of the collective impact. So those would be three three threads that I think could be explored and really talked more about in terms of creating more equity. And I have one more that popped into my head that I have, sure. <laughs> I have, to, have ask. to ask. Um, when, when we talk about things like this, when we talk about challenges, struggles, equity, all these different things, mm -hmm. um, it, it seems like society regularly looks for sort of a single solution or a single thing that can be done to fix whatever the the observed problem is mm -hmm. um, but it seems like what what you guys are doing is sort of running totally in in uh, opposition to that and saying all of these things are sort of um, processed things that need to be cautiously slowly and and honestly approached is that kind of the the deeper message here where people need to just sort of expose themselves to everything and kind of soak everything in and start to make better processes that they're working through every day, that they're living every day. Yeah, I, I think that that's part of it for sure. I think that the idea of really being very purposeful and trying to learn new ways of thinking and learn and be able to analyze in a sense 
why do we think the way that we think and why are we coming up with the particular solutions that we're coming up with because those are informed by the experiences that we've had and unless we've really purposefully figured out how to get more perspectives into our consideration we're always going to we're always going to make decisions based on what our own lived experience has been so we have to understand what that is and how it influences us and how it might actually be pushing us to choose a solution that's actually not equitable even though we don't realize it and and then once i recognize that then how do i make sure that i that i do expand my lens and include and so it, that's that radical connection both to myself and understanding what's the water that I've been swimming in that makes me realize I'm, I'm thinking in certain ways without even being aware that I'm thinking in those ways. And then how do I connect really authentically to people with other perspectives, which might be really uncomfortable sometimes, so that I can expand the possibilities of what that solution might look like. And until I can do both of those, then I think we're bound to continue to make a lot of the same mistakes. Kristen, as always, thanks for coming in. Thank Appreciate you. I was happy to be here.